Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Sister Morris, would you read verses 7 and 8? Sure, I'm reading from the NIV version. It reads, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Amen. Amen. Now, in verse 7, Sister Morris, they knew that they were naked. It's evident in verse 7 that something new had happened. Had they ever known that they were naked before? No. So what were the events that caused them to be able to know this? Because they knew they had sinned when they uh-huh. God's word. They disobeyed his word, right? And by eating of the, the tree, the tree that was forbidden for them to eat of. So now when they say that they knew that they were naked, what does that mean? They knew that they were naked. Is it like um, I'm trying to put this word together. Naked as far as like They've lost everything they had as far as spiritually, as far as them, their, um, their, their um, biblical beliefs and things like that. Okay. Okay. From that spiritual aspect, okay, before they ate, were they naked? Yes. No, they were just clueless of it. Ah. They were physically naked. But they were unaware. What gave them the ability to be aware of that? A spiritual. I mean, did they get they felt it spiritually? But what what actions gave them the ability to be aware of it? That's right. And what tree did they eat from? In the middle of the garden, the forbidden tree. And what, what, what else is about that tree? Of what? Good and evil. Good and evil. There we go. So I got a question. So if God's telling you not to eat of the good and evil, if you're good, how do you know what evil is? If you tell someone to not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. and you're good, right. how do you know what evil is? You don't. So at that point, before they ate, they didn't know. They were unaware of what evil really was. But when they disobeyed the Lord, not only did they know what evil was, but now they were an actor in an evil what? Not in an atmosphere, but also an actor as in the evil event of eating or disobeying God. 
So nakedness in this text, not only did they know that they were not clothed, but what was bothering them is that they had the guilt of being naked. But they never knew about this before. They never knew of guilt, nor did they know of shame. But shame and guilt came with sin, came with disobedience. So now, when we look at this text, we see that they sold fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now the first thing, when they sinned, and the results of sin were manifest in their life, they tried to do what? Cover it up. Because the nakedness was the manifestation of their guilt and shame for disobeying God. And the first thing they tried to do was cover it up. Ain't that what we try to do? When we sin, we try to cover it up. Whether we try to cover it up by erasing our tracks to what we have done, wiping away our fingerprints, or we try to cover it up by justifying that which we have done. Sometimes we sin and we, we don't want to take on the responsibility of, hey, I've sinned and I was wrong. We justify and say, well, if such and such hadn't have did this, or it hadn't have been that, they shouldn't have. It's always blame shifting to take the guilt off or we're trying to cover it up. So we cover up in many different ways. We cover up in physical. We cover up in mental. We cover it up through trying to justify and using our own language to try to come up with a reason why what we've done that is wrong is right. And we do it according to what? Our own power. We do it according to our own faculties. And who told Adam and Eve to sow fig leaves? To cover themselves with Adam and Eve. This is us. I didn't even hear him on that. Uh, Adam and Eve. That's us. We do that very thing. Nobody had to tell them anything. They began to do the cover-up all on their own. Now they got knowledge of good and evil. All right, now, uh, Sister Dudley, would you read verses 9 and 10? I have to share Bibles because my, I can't get my iPad unlocked. Uh-oh. It's highlighted for me. It is highlighted. Okay, I'm sorry. What again? Oh, verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. Amen. Sorry. God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord. God among the trees. Then, oh, I'm sorry. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. All right. Now, as we lead into verse 9, 
In verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, isn't it interesting that right after they committed this sin, here comes the Lord walking. The text says, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That word cool is interesting translation. That word cool is the word ruach, which means spirit. And it also can be translated windy. So most likely the coolness is also, it's a windy part of the day. It's a cool part because the wind is blowing. But we see it says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This particular verse is also the first time we hear of what's called a theophany. A theophany. And a theophany is a physical form of God manifests for our benefit to be able to see him. Theophany. Theophany. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. Theophany. Now this text doesn't necessarily show us exactly what God was looking like, but it lets us know that he took on a form so that he could walk and that they could see him. So he was walking in the cool of the day. And the minute they heard him walking, they hid themselves. What, I'm sorry, Pastor. What you say mean again? Uh, theophany. Theophany is God's putting himself in a, a visible form so that we as humans can see him. Can't. And can oh, can't see him. And most likely in the form of a human body shape so that he was walking in the cool of the day. Because we'll find in more parts of the Old Testament that we have more theophanies where God showed up in the form of a man. And this is the first time that we hear about a theophany. So is that when the word cool is used or what other words are used? Because it doesn't say what you, that term is not utilized in the Bible. The, the term theophany is not used in the Bible. But what we get, how we get that is from him walking in the, in the cool of the garden. Okay. So it's almost like we, we really don't want to use it in the terms of, um, I guess, what is uh, anthropomorphism. Well, it's not just a, a metaphoric thing. It's God, not human, but he is walking. And so he's coming to a form in which... That's what I'm saying. Is it like a spirit? But this is, they heard the Lord walking in the cool What's of the day. Well, so, my imagination yeah. is like footsteps. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You couldn't look upon him. That's right. And 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 so. But you knew that he was present. And God, but remember, God. But remember, God can come also 
in physical form if he likes. Right. Right. Because we know that Melchizedek, right. the yep. king of Salem, was a Christophany. He was, right. he was one who came in the form of a man, but he really wasn't a man. But he came in that form so they could see him. All right, brother teacher, since you're putting this on the internet, will you spell these words out so that we can look on the internet and get okay. a great understanding? <laughs> but it okay, made me great. think of, you know, really, like, right. animals talk okay. in a story and they take on, and we call it think animopia or something. Yes. And so it's just God taking on human form just like animals take on. But I don't believe that he took on a form like man, though. Like ah, that you don't believe that, that God took on I know that he came, you know, he yeah. talks about when he came down to the uh -huh. earth, you know, that. But when you're going back to, we're in the Old Testament. Uh-huh. So nobody actually had seen him in the Old Testament. Now, they never saw the Lord in and his full born. glory. That's right. Okay. In his full, full glory. glory. Nobody saw so the invisible God in his full, because why? That's right. We would be destroyed. Right. But when the Lord clothes himself so that his glory, he's not in full glory, which he has the power to do. Right. That's the only time that he can be in our presence. Because the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord was in this place. And the angel of the Lord, you'll see that in the Old right. Testament. Right. That is a Christophany. It's Christ clothing himself in bodily form, but he's also keeping himself from his full glory shining as well because we would be destroyed. Right. So what he's done is he's clothed himself to the point that he kept his glory from destroying us by being in our presence, but yet he's still God. And he still showed up in visible form. He wasn't a man, but he made himself to look like a man. The theophany is not a human being. It is a it is God putting himself in a form to look like one, but not necessarily be one, just so that we can see. That's right. Because we'll see more of that as we go through. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. And that is Christ pre-incarnate. And he came in the form, but not like he did when he came as Jesus Christ. Because when he comes as Jesus Christ, he's got a real human body. That's right. But back in that time as a theophany, which for Christ would be called a Christophany, he is in a form that looks like a man, but he's really still not a man. He's just using that for our visual. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. He may be, you may touch him and he feels okay. like something solid, but he's not a man. He's just making himself into a form so that we can see him and his glory is is diminished enough in that body form so that it doesn't destroy us Break that down even further. Yeah, and 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 so so we so yeah some imagery with that. So what we want to do then then when I post is also put the Christophany 
and the uh, theophany. Both of them, so you can get better understanding of both of them. Technology stuff when it breaks you in trouble. See, because I can write my notes on too. Good old fashioned paper and pen. I like that though. <laughs> That's the thing about technology. I, even for me, as a technologist, I get scared of it that sometimes it's just, you know, it don't want to operate like it wants to, okay. like we want it to every time. Now, brother, teacher, spell that. Okay. Theophany, T H E O P H A N Y. And Christophany is Christ, then followed by that same ophany. Christ being followed. T-O-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-A-N-Y. That is correct. C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-A-N-Y. Yeah. You know, I thought about a black man. You know, I'm going to comment. I can have a whole conversation with a boy. Yeah. My name is another. I know that's right. Huh? Christ being followed. No, that was just me saying. It's spelling it for you. Christ, and then followed by O P H. Followed by the O P H. Okay. I got it. I'm gonna go home and research it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now, if we notice in this text, when Adam and his wife realized God was coming into their presence, what did they do? They hid. They hid themselves. Why? They were ashamed. They didn't want. They didn't want him to see them like that. Like what? Uh huh. They didn't want. He didn't want. He did. They didn't want him to see them in this sinful state. When we look at Adam and Eve, we have to continue to see ourselves. When we have decided to commit some sinful act, don't we try to hide ourselves from the Lord? What you mean, tattoos? <laughs> Are you crazy? Uh, whatever we're into, don't we try to hide ourselves from the Lord? That's true. I mean, when we try to do a lot of the things that we do, we try to do it at night. Why? Because... At night, we feel like can't nobody see us. That's true. We're doing just like they did. They hid themselves amongst the trees in the garden. But were they really hidden from the Lord? No, you can't hide from Him. You can't hide from Him. But they did it anyway because that's a natural effect of sin, that's a natural response. To an action of sin. And that's what happens to us. We try to hide. But we can't hide from God. Because no matter whether it's night or day. If we're in our house or out. We're still in the presence of God. I mean I, I heard somebody the other day say. And I used to say this myself. Didn't know any better. Uh, what you do in your own house. Is your own business. Have you heard that? Have anybody said that before? But is that true? So does does the walls of our house 
give us some kind of of uh, place of of uh, of uh, uh, hiatus, if you will, from the penalty of sin. It doesn't, does it? It's not no place that sets us apart. That hey, we can do all this in the house, but you know, I'm in the comforts of my own home. But you're still in the presence of the Lord. So we try to we deceive ourselves into believing what we do in the presence of our own home is our own business when it's still God's business. It's still got the penalties. That's whether you do it out or do it in. But we that's what we do as sinful beings. We really deceive ourselves. And that's all they were doing. They were deceiving themselves and believing they could hide behind some trees and hide from God. And see, when you look at the text and you look at the text all by itself, and you, try, you almost look at it academically, you're like, what are they doing? Nothing different than what we do. As silly as that looks, it's as silly as what we do. We just do it at a different time, in a different place, in a different generation. Same thing. We may do it more sophisticated, but same thing. What's the answer in the end? The same thing. God saw us. <laughs> we might, but we do it anyway. But in order to get to that point of sin, we kind of have to deceive ourselves, especially us as believers. We have to deceive ourselves to even get down in the first place. Because every time we get ready to sin, we got to go through all these barriers. We got to go past God's word. We got to go past the horns that's going off in our head. No, 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 no. We got to get, put everything down and suppress it just to get to the sin. And then when we do it, since we deceived ourselves into believing we ain't heard all these things going on, why not try to hide ourselves? We've gone that far already. Might as well go on to try to go a little further and deceive ourselves into believing we can hide in some corner behind God and where God can't see it. Go in the closet or whatever. Ain't that right? So when, the, when this book comes off the page in our lives, we start looking and saying, man, that's us. That's just how we do. We justify to hide stuff. We physically do things to hide stuff. And all the time, God is watching us. All the time, God, know, God knows before we ever did it. But we have to deceive ourselves to get past all of the safeguards that God has given us in order to sin in the first place. We have to do that to get there. We got to get past the Holy Spirit talking to us and every our conscience and everything else to get to sin. But when we want to sin, guess what? Get out of the way, Holy Ghost. I mean, conscious everybody. Get out of the way. I'm going to deceive myself and do it anyway. So now, here is the Lord. And the Lord asks, Adam, where are you? Why did he ask him that? Because he the man? And what else? Okay. So he's supposed to be working. All right, he's got a job to do. But even more importantly than that, why is he asking? Because he already knew. He already knew where he, he, sin, he knew where he was. He knew where he was. Ah. So he asked that question not because God wanted to know. There we go. To give us the opportunity to tell the truth. 
So now we look at the text. What happens next? Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Now, look what Adam said. Is that the truth? Nope. I mean, he was afraid, but that, but that's not the whole truth. Okay. What else is in there that he said in verse 10? I heard you. Okay. And what else? Uh-huh. And what else? One more thing. Naked. Well, in somebody's Bible, it also says, and I hid myself. Oh, yeah, hid. Now, what has he dealt with thus far? Shame. 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 Guilt. So he's dealing with the feelings he has as a result of what he did. But he hasn't dealt yet with No, go the opposite direction. He's dealing with the the after effects, the results of what he did. Yeah, and he hasn't dealt with what? And his repentance, what is it he needs to be dealing with? The sin that he committed. He talks about everything else. Now, except for the sin. In an application to that verse. How many times in the beginning of our confessing something, or really not really getting to the beginning of confessing, we talk about the results, but don't talk about the cause. Sometimes we'll talk about how somebody has Done us wrong. We'll talk about the results of, well, you know, I, um, you know, my, my, say, say for instance, somebody said, you know, my house flooded. And I called the insurance company. And, you know, them doggone insurance people, they would not pay it. They would not pay for me to get my house fixed. And, they, and, and they're just doing me so wrong. The person has talked about, the results of what has happened, what has uh, the results of a cause, and the folks that didn't do them right, but they never mentioned how did it get flooded in the first place. Sometimes you find out after investigation has been done, the reason why it was flooded is because somebody was careless and left water on and went off doing something else, maybe even leaving the house and flooded their own house. But if you get all the way back to that, you got to deal with the what in order to talk about that. And the cause. And what the result of seeing you get what You have to deal with the action, and that action ends up with guilt and shame. See, the hard part is dealing with that guilt and shame. And so to get back to that cause, to talk about, hey, I left the water on and I went off doing something else and I'm the reason why it is, that hurts. It hurts to go back and talk about your sin because the guilt, when it's brought back up, the guilt and the shame is magnified. 
And so now in this text, we see he's not going all the way back to what he did. But he's stopping with where he is, this result. Because if he goes back and actually talks about what he did, the pain of the guilt and shame is magnified. And it's the same with us. So many times we'll tell part of it. We won't tell exactly all of what, how we got to where we are. We'll tell enough of it that... To make you feel, not feel bad about it. That's exactly right. To kind of shine a, a little bit of a false good light on it. But if we go all the way back, we got to deal with the pain and the anguish of that which we have done. And so now, God says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Sister Shannon, what, what, read verse 12. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to me, <laughs> to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I, and I did eat. I'm sorry, it was funny. Sorry, you sound like a kid. You know, mama, she made me do that. Yeah, huh? And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and did eat. Amen. Hold that right there. Okay. Everybody's blaming everybody. All this is is a picture of us again. Now watch. Watch the text. Now God then confronted him right where he was. He asked him a question. Who told you you were naked, first of all? Then he asked him a question, pinpoint, have you eaten from this? Knowing that he has and just wanting to see whether or not Adam is going to tell the truth. He sure ain't. He still hasn't said it. Now, as sinful beings do, instead of saying, yes, Lord, you know what? Nobody told me I was naked. You know how this happened? It's because I went over there to that tree that you told me not to eat from, and I ate from it, and now I'm naked. And guess what? Yes, sir, I did it. Too much pain. Way too much pain. So what does he do? Now the pain is building because God is questioning. So God is questioning him about his sin. He's starting to feel the pressure of it. And what does he do? Deflect. Deflect. Well, you know what? It, it, it ain't my fault. You know, I it, look, this woman. You, 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 Lord, you know, you, it's, it's, that's right. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you gave me her in the first place. Because, you know, it's her fault, but you know what? Indirectly, it's your fault. God, if you had never gave me that woman, I'd have been fine. I That's right. I was fine. I was doing just fine. And he wasn't doing fine at all. But then you pull this thing up off the page. Just in the example that I gave earlier. Who was the one who was the problem? It was the insurance company. It was my house was flooded, but I'm not going to take responsibility for it. I ain't going to say that I left the water on and left the house and let everything flood out while I was dilly bopping down the road. No. My house got flooded. The insurance company should have paid it. 
But them bad insurance folks, they didn't do me right, and I, I'm asking the church to pray for me. <laughs> Lord, y'all keep me in prayer, because these insurance folks ain't doing right. Oh, my Lord. Now, that example can very well be played out all over the world Amen. to that very thing, because it's too much to handle that guilt. It's too much to handle that shame. And when the pressure is on to really point out, oh, well, wait a minute, how did this happen? I got to get it off of me. I got to get it on Man. somebody else. And don't we do a lot of that? That's just like saying a lot of times, if you go on and accept what you've done, then you know what I'm saying, your situation may not be as bad as you think it is or as you're trying to make it out. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. Because until we get back to the problem, we can't begin the process of what? Resolving it. And we can't get any healing. I mean, so easy. I mean, somebody say something to you. Yeah, we just don't want to be wrong. Because being wrong and admitting wrong brings on some painful emotions, don't it? It brings on the guilt and the shame. That, them thing, those are painful emotions. Them emotions are so painful that in the right context, they can just stop you. They can stop you from doing anything because they are heavy weights. And so in a relationship with my wife, or say, for instance, my wife says something to me she didn't mean it or whatever, and it came off wrong. And so then I snap. And then she said, why are you yelling at me? Then I say, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said what you said to me. But in reality, I was wrong for yelling in the first place. But then, praise God, sometimes the Lord's Holy Spirit works in a way in my heart that I'm able to slow it down and humble myself enough to go back and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I know you didn't mean this, what you did. It hurt me, but I know you didn't mean it. And I'm wrong because I didn't say, I, did, I, I yelled at you. I should have said that I'm sorry. Right at that point, I start healing. That's right. Instead of doing what was right, and, and at the point of counteracting, there's no healing there. Right. Now you got animosity. Right. I'm saying it's her fault. She's saying, wait a minute, hold on. You know, all I was trying to do is whatever, whatever helpful thing or whatever she was trying to do that hurt my feelings. Now I'm firing back at her. There ain't no healing at all. She's getting upset. I'm already upset. And there's no healing until either both of us forgive or at least me coming and snapping to her come back and say, you know what? I was wrong. I should not have yelled at you. Even though what you said hurt me, you didn't mean it. And I shouldn't have yelled, and so I'm sorry. At that point starts the healing process. Now our relationship is starting to healing. But as long as we're pointing the finger at one another, or I'm pointing at her and she may not be pointing at me, as long as anybody's pointing at anybody, there's no healing. That happens in friendships. That happens in work relationships. That happens all over the place. But it's our nature. It's the, our fleshly part of our nature to always try 
to deflect. To always not want to take responsibility for our own sinful actions. Does that make sense? All right. So now, he said to the woman, treat I eat. Now, in verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay, now we're in uh, verse 13. What did the woman say, y'all? What, what was her response? Then the Lord God, God asked the woman, what have you done? Uh -huh. <laughs> the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Ah, now look at her response. A little better than Adam's response. Because, in a way, in a she, way it is. Well, Adam said she made him do it, but she's telling you that the serpent made her do, uh -huh. made do it. <laughs> but, look, but look what happens here, though. Look what happens. God said, God asked the question. Adam, I mean, even though he said the woman made me, he never really came out and said. He made him do what? That's right. But she did. She's still not where she's supposed to be. But she's closer to at least right. talking about the sinful act. That's why she did it. Yeah. That's right. Because there's nowhere in the text, like we talked early on, the serpent didn't, you know, put a gun to her head yeah, or say, I'm going to kill you. Or, yeah. He just let her own mind and her own fantasies and her own desires take over. And she ate. And sin entered. Now, Sister, read, read verse, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. All right. Now, here's another scripture that we talk about quite a bit. What was the serpent? What'd you say? What was the serpent? The devil. The devil? Was he in some kind of physical form? He was like a snake. All right. A snake with legs. A snake with legs. Now, where did we get that from? Where did we get that he's a snake? And a snake with legs. I don't know about the legs. I don't know. Okay. I just heard about a snake. Now, okay. Okay. A snake in a tree, right? I've seen that too, and I've seen the snake with legs. Yeah. Okay. Now it looks like a long lizard. What makes us think that he was a snake? What clues? What clues do we see that well, it was in the tree? Was it? Ah. Well, let's let's look at both of those. Okay, sister. Oh, good. Oh, we're almost tree? out of time. Well, let's let's go back. Beginning. To Not chapter three. We gonna get too deep and we just have to hold. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to yeah. really go back right. and look at this. Yeah. Show. Maybe we can. Maybe we can grab this one piece and then. Okay, let's then close it. Okay, go back to. That's right. Look, 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 look at look at the beginning of verse. 
of chapter three. Well, talked about the tree. Okay. Okay. Look at look at what, how the, the story begins. Disguised as a shrewd serpent, Satan came to the temple. Is that is that right? No. Just read verse one of chapter three. Oh, I'm sorry. No. The serpent was the shrewd was the shrewdest of all the wild animals, and the Lord God had made that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. So it really doesn't say. That's right. When he first is introduced, there's no discussion of this. No, that's true. Right? Right. Okay. How how did he get there? We really don't know. We know God put him in there. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know how he got there. Then we but we get this clue we think we got. What Sister Reed brought out is that here in verse 14, mm -hmm. it says on your belly you shall go. Right? So then we start thinking to ourselves. Because that makes you think that right now he's getting away some other type. He's walking around some other type of way. He's not crawling. If, the, if his curse is to crawl, then it makes you think yeah. he's not crawling right now. Yeah, if his curse is to crawl, and if he is a snake, then what we do is we look and say, oh, there he is. See, that's why he, he had to look. He must have been one of these that crawl on the ground and he was standing upright at one point because he said, now on his belly he shall be. Right? Now, isn't that logical how we're getting to, oh, he was a snake. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Something that seems to get... In the dust. He goes on his belly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to close this down here at this point with this thought. When we come back on next week, mm -hmm. we're going to look at the word serpent. Okay. We're going to look at it in its Hebrew. Okay. And we're going to see what is this that word really saying? Word. We come back. Yep, yep, you sure can. To, to, to research that word serpent. And I'll give you a hint on it just in case. The word is nakash. N-A-C-H- a S H. So serpent is Nakash mm -hmm. in Hebrew. That's right. Take a look at that a little bit and see what you find. Okay. And on next week, we'll come back into this and then deal with these words that the Lord said. Amen. Mm -hmm.